Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. Hello, welcome to the Mississippi Arts Hour. This is Larry Morrissey. I'm with you. I'm from the Mississippi Arts Commission. We come to you each time, at this time each week on a Sunday afternoon and talk, have an in-depth discussion with the different creative Mississippian. Uh, today we have a special show. We're doing a tribute to the late Leo Bud Welch. He's a, a Calhoun um, County, Bruce, Mississippi uh, bluesman. He was with us for many years, uh, had a, had a, Really uh, interesting run late in life. He, he passed away this past uh, December at the age of 85, uh, recorded his first blues album as uh, in, when he was 81 years old, but had a long history of music before he started recording. But So today I'd, I'm bringing a couple of people that knew Leo uh, onto the show. We're going to talk about him, play some of his music, and then play a couple of quick excerpts from interviews that I did with Leo uh, uh, several years back. Uh, first up on the phone with us joining us is Scott Beretta. You know him as the host of the Highway 61 Blues Radio Show here on Saturday nights on MPB. He's also one of the primary researchers for the Mississippi Blues Trail and uh, works with many museums and other cultural institutions throughout Mississippi. Scott, hello. Larry, how are you doing? Uh, we're talking to you today. Uh, you're calling in from Greenwood, and we're going to talk a little about Leo Bud Welch. Um a lot of people in the blues scene, of course, are, were very familiar with Leo because of all his activity in the last few years. But for those of folks that maybe didn't get a chance to see him, tell us a little bit of kind of a, some background about him, who he was and, and why he was important or why he was significant. Why he was significant? I think to a certain extent he's significant because he came to attention in his 80s, at a time when so many of the older musicians had, had disappeared, of course, with a genre that's 100 years old, we've, we've been in a perpetual state of losing older musicians. Uh, but uh, I think that when Welch came around, it, it provided a lot of us who, who look at the uh, blues scene here with the hope that, man, are there other guys out there that are this good that just simply have been sort of hiding in plain sight? And, and, of course, as you know, Larry, working at the Mississippi Arts Commission, he had actually been documented by the Arts Commission as a uh, gospel player. But you know, right. that, that kind of attention doesn't really draw, uh, you know, the uh, um, doesn't get international fans or blues fans all that excited. I think most of us are aware that there's a lot of people playing gospel. There's a lot of older musicians playing gospel. But in the blues, you know, there's this... Uh, uh, notion, I think, of, you know, the blues is dying out. It's not something I necessarily subscribe to, but uh, that that certainly fuels a lot of interest in, you know, these older musicians. And, of course, there's a lot of people that are interested in blues are are interested in these older styles. You know, Leo Bud Welch, born in 1932, is somebody who was playing blues, you know, in not exactly a country blues style, but kind of in a early electrified country blues style. You know, he started playing around 1950, and actually a lot of the songs he played were, were hits from around that time uh, by, uh, you know, that he was into Muddy Waters, who first started recording in the latter 40s, and, you know, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of other artists, um, uh, you know, from that time period. So, 
So there, there simply just aren't that many people around. I um, mean, Big George Brock, I guess, you know, who's down here pretty frequently, is maybe somebody from that era. But but not a whole lot more. Of course, we just lost uh, Robert Bilbo Walker, who was also a, a, relatively a contemporary. Right. And and Welch, is he kind of had that very typical story of, uh, I think it was like the older cousin who had a guitar, he, he learned to play, he, you know, kind of then ventured out kind of into the club scene as a as a young man. Yeah, well, he he started playing. He was actually a uh, a fan of uh, of the Grand Ole Opry, which is what everyone listened to on the radio, you know, back in the day. And so he was a fan of probably Roy Acuff and, um, you know, the other stars of the Grand Ole Opry, uh, you know, who were in, guitar players and, and vocalists. But he started playing with uh, his cousin, I think, turned him on, and he started playing with his brother. And at 18, he sort of went pro. He moved from uh, Sabogla to uh, uh, Grenada, and he played over the radio there. You know, so But that was a pretty brief time. He, he, he played with a guy named Alfred Blues King Harris, who later recorded in Chicago, but he didn't stay there in Grenada too long. He came back to, uh, well, actually, he moved at that point at 18 to Bruce, and he was subsequently, you know, working in the uh, uh, local uh, lumber industry for decades and decades, and and was sort of, I guess, the star of the blues scene in, in Bruce for in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and into the 70s, uh, you know, playing at the local clubs and. And by doing that, he was able to interact with a lot of the stars who might, you know, come down through there to play. But I, I don't really have the idea that he played much outside of of, of Calhoun County. And, and as uh, uh, the editor of the Calhoun County newspaper pointed to me, pointed out to me, it's the only county in the state that uh, doesn't have a four lane in it. Huh. And um, it also didn't ever really have. Uh, uh, train traffic, so it's actually one of the most isolated counties in the state, and and as you know, it's it's a, um, a home for uh, bluegrass music, old time music, and most notably shape note singing. So it's kind of interesting to think that he's he was in the the heart of this very isolated county, and it's often in situations like that where older forms of music are preserved. Right. You're listening to the Arts Hour this afternoon on MPB, and today uh, we're doing a tribute to the late Leo Bud Welch, a late bluesman from Calhoun County who passed away this past December. On the phone with us today is Scott Beretta, the host of Highway 61 here on MPB. Um, Talk a little bit, I guess the the really interesting part of the story, you know, I knew Leo, interviewed him and saw him, and he really just spoke, you know, about himself as a gospel performer. But then he kind of started venturing out playing blues again i know probably about six seven eight years ago i saw him playing by himself uh up at the duck hill uh the grassroots festival in duck hill mississippi uh kind of opening up the day and uh so i guess he he just had a, a change of mind about going back into the blues yeah that's what i understand that al, al white who runs that festival in duck hill always you know makes an effort to, to feature uh uh, local performers who don't have, uh, you know, that, that big of a name. You think of Willie Farmer, who's there now, who's just, just got signed on the Wolf Records out of Austria. Um, but, so yeah, Al White was, was promoting him, and as I understand that he was at some sorts of events out in the country near Starkville, but he really didn't get any 
broader attention until he played the 50th birthday of uh, Vincey Varnado, uh, who I think you're going to have on the show in a minute, so I won't give away too much of it. But Varnado, who was, uh, lived, lived in Oxford for a while and was sort of more hip to the contemporary music scene, um, you know, brought him to the attention of, of a record label. I'll let, I'll let him tell that story. Right. But, you know, so, yeah, so he, he started to play at the festival, and I'm, I'm jealous that you got to see him back then. I actually saw him, I think, in 2013 um, when uh, Vinci brought him to, uh, to Indianola. He played a gig over at um, uh, Chardet, uh Turnip Seeds, uh, The House. I think, I think that's the name of the place. And it was a real surprise to me to see this guy, you know, because we, it's the sort of the thing that you, you dream of seeing. You know? Right. People sometimes think that I know about a bunch of blues artists who haven't been discovered, you know, and sadly that's, that's, that's not the case. And I've been talking about him, you know, his biography, but I also just want to say, you know, he, he was great. It was really great to see him and he was just a really nice guy. And he, that sort of gospel fervor really, you know, came out through his music and, in fact, a lot of the time uh, when he was being billed as a blues artist, he was actually playing gospel. And um, right. his first record for um, Big Legal Mess, which came out, uh, you know, 2014, not that long after um, he was sort of discovered, I guess you could say, um, it was actually not a blues record. It's a, it's a record of gospel songs, you know, from his, his gospel repertoire that, to have that kind of a, a gritty fat possum kind of sound, you know, so it's, I guess you'd call it gospel blues. So I think the second record actually is, is all blues. Uh, but so, um, yeah, it, it was, it was uh, really wonderful. And it makes, makes you do kind of wonder, you know, how many gospel guys are out there who, who, you know, you could tap into. I mean, certainly just numerically, there's a lot more, gospel talent than there is blues talent you know gospel is just ubiquitous and pervasive and you know there's people that have been playing the music for for decades and decades and of course um leo was a uh, professional musician a professional um gospel musician from the 70s and i'm not sure into the 2000s um oh yeah I, Bruce, I, yeah yeah I, I mean i don't know how active he was but i went up and recorded uh his later group sabogla voices which was also the name of his first record it was a group with his sister and i think a sister-in-law and i recorded them doing an um, anniversary show at their home church in the sabogla community so he, up until the 2000 teens he was still considered you know had his had his business card and was still a gospel performer yeah and you can see a, a snippet of him playing with a gospel group uh, a video clip um on on youtube i think it was found by the um uh, the makers the austrians who made that documentary film on him and maybe Vince can talk about that film um but um, and, and of course he was also a a VJ <laughs> that uh, that he had a, a TV show uh, which I guess he hosted it and played VCR tapes and yeah. Betamax tapes. I, don't, I I would have loved to have seen that. That must have been some pretty amazing uh, local television. I can only wonder what the quality is like um, based on what uh, contemporary. Uh, YouTube videos of <laughs> gospel groups uh, sound like, right. uh, but uh, but anyways, I thought 
that was pretty interesting that he was, you know, somebody who we think of as this, you know, down-home folk artist being a TV personality. <laughs> yes. In Bruce, Mississippi, of all places. Well, In let's... Bruce, Mississippi, yeah. Well, let's take a. We're going to take a quick break here. I'm going to play just a quick segment of an interview I did with uh, Leo Welch in 2010. Him talking about kind of his origins, uh, first learning uh, to play guitar. So this is Leo Welch on the Arts Hour. I had a first cousin, R.C. Welch. He played guitar all the time, and we lived next door neighbors. And so he he ordered my guitar. I never will forget me for a guitar they call a Gene Archer guitar. We had to go on the rural route out to a mailbox to pick up our mail. So we went out there and picked the mail up. So his guitar came in that day, it was in a box. And we thought we had a big thing, Candid. So me and a, I believe my first cousin named Alanda, that R.C. West, his brother, we brought it back from the mailbox. And so he opened the guitar and went to playing on it. And he told me and his brother, he said, I'll catch y'all with your hand on my guitar, I'm going fell. So after he'd be unplayed, and he'd hang the guitar up, and so we we would go in and get it, and we'd start recording and playing on the guitar. And so as we played on the guitar, and he came in, he said, I believe, ain't y'all been messing with my guitar? We said, yeah, we've been trying to play on it. He said, I know it, because you done been tuned it, too. And so we learned how to tune it, all under learned how to tune it, and so I'll say he came in one evening, he got, called us, Playing the guitar. He said, well, he said, I tell you what, boy, they ain't going to say nothing else to y'all about playing the guitar because y'all playing better than I am. So I've been in the music that way ever since. We're back on the Arts Hour, and today we're doing a tribute to the late bluesman Leo Bud Welch from Bruce, Mississippi. He passed away at 85 years old uh, just uh, this past December. And on the line, we're talking with Scott Beretta, who is the host of Highway 61 here Saturday nights on MPB, but also one of the lead researchers and writers for the Mississippi Blues Trail. And we wanted to make sure you want to talk a little bit about there's a uh, a blues trail marker that was put in uh, Bruce, Mississippi, that includes uh, some information about Leo as well. That's right. It's called Calhoun County Blues, and I think that that's really interesting in the sense that uh, when we created the uh, master list of sorts, or the reference list for the blues trail back in 2006 and 2007, uh, we created a list of, oh, I think a couple hundred um, marker potential markers. Um, it was nowhere. Right? There was nothing mentioned about uh, Calhoun County. You know, we didn't know of any blues artists from Calhoun County, and so Welch didn't really come to uh, broader attention until 2014 when that record came out. And then someone from there uh, led a campaign to to, to put up a, a blues marker in honor of him, and. Um, we're sometimes a bit leery about, you know, who we're, who we're going to feature if they're not a, a larger artist, I guess you could say. And one of the things that we sometimes do is, is say, well, we'll honor this person, but we better place it in the broader context. So it's called Calhoun County Blues rather than Leo Bud Welch. It also features uh, the great saxophonist uh, Ace Cannon, who was actually born in Grenada but has lived in Calhoun City for a long time. And we address the... Um, uh, the local Sacred Heart tradition there and some, some other music. But mostly it's about Leo Bud Welch. Uh, and uh, I thought that was a pretty fitting thing for his 
career, I mean, or not fitting necessarily, but uh, sort of a wonderful cap to his career, right? That he was somebody who wasn't known at all, and then within five years, there's a there's a plaque in the middle of the square, <laughs> right? Dedicated to a guy who was, you know, kind of known as a local gospel musician and a guy who, you know, worked at the uh, lumber mill. <laughs> right? and so uh, it, it's interesting, you know. I mean, for, for us doing the blues trail, it's always interesting to think about how. Uh, we're able to kind of um, recast or reframe local history. And Bud Welch, you know, people are very proud of him. You know, he kind of put um, Calhoun County and, and Bruce on the map. Yeah, yeah. And I, the other thing that strikes me about him is that he was, you know, he got started late, but he was so active. I mean, it seemed like literally every festival, major festival in Mississippi over the past four or five years has featured him. I mean, he really became almost a ubiquitous presence out kind of in the, in the blues world in, in this part of the, in this part of the South. Well, you can say it was his talent, but that's not how things work. It had a lot to do with the combination of that and um, the efforts of, of, of Vincey Barnado, who's uh, from, uh, from Calhoun County and, uh, had retired from decades in the military right around the time he kind of started pushing uh, his career. And, uh, you know, Vince, was just very active and, and, and booking him and had the time uh, to, to do it. You know, he was sort of, that became his job. Vince, uh, he was, you know, somebody who, you know, having been in the service for all those years and traveled around, you know, kind of had the uh, cosmopolitan, uh, skills and, and networks that are, are necessary for getting a local artist out of the state. It's one thing to get on to um, the Duke Joint Festival or a couple other local festivals, but to uh, take him to all these different um, European countries, uh, to, to work through getting this documentary film made, you know, that's, that's a, that can be a pretty difficult thing if you're, if you're dealing just with the artists. Um, you know, especially with Leo, it was, you know, he had to, Sometimes it was a little bit difficult to understand what was going on. He was a little bit hard of hearing and had a pretty thick accent. So, yeah. But but Fancy, you know, lived I think up in Millington, and he was always driving down, uh, you know, whatever two hours or whatever it was to pick him up. And you know, he was just incredibly energetic about promoting him. And um, you know, so I have to give him credit for that. And, uh, but right, he always he always did it in a very respectful way. You know, I mean, he was somebody that uh, um, Leo clearly trusted, and they, they were buddies. They liked to hang out. Yeah. Well, Scott, thank you so much for your time today. We're going to uh, skip over now to talk with uh, Vinci on the phone about Leo as well. So, again, for everyone uh, listening in, it's the Mississippi Arts Hour, and uh, we've been talking with Scott Beretta, host of Highway 61, uh, the blues radio show here on MPB, heard at uh, 10 p.m. on Saturday nights and 6 p.m. on Sunday evenings. So please check it out. Thanks, Scott. Thank you very much, Larry. Uh, joining us now on the phone is uh, Leo Welch's manager and uh, a long time uh, worked with him for several years over his last period as a blues musician, Vincey Varnado here on the phone. Hey, Vincey. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining us in, in this tribute uh, to Leo Bud Welch. Um, you were you had a front row seat for his his late career here in the blues, and I wanted you to... Tell a little bit about your story first. Now you're you're from 
Calhoun County originally, right? And you did, you, did you know him when you were growing up there? Yeah, thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, absolutely. I knew who Leo was, but I didn't have a personal relationship with him because of our age difference. We're both from Calhoun County in North Mississippi, and it's a, a tight community, so everyone knows everyone. Right, but you would have been more like his children's age, right? He was... Actually, I would have been about 10 years younger than his children. Oh, goodness, okay. Uh, actually, I have brothers and sisters that are the same age of his children. So you could say I would be in the same generation as his children. Yeah, yeah. So how did you first—Scott um, uh, alluded to it a little bit, but we were hoping you'd tell the story kind of about how you uh, came back in contact with Leo and, and heard him play as a musician. Right, I will. I uh, the, My very first recollection of Leo— uh, whom I knew at Bud Welch. I was about 12 or 13 years old, and my mother and father had a juke joint there in Big Creek, Mississippi, and he was supposed to come and play one night. Leo showed up, and didn't nobody else show up, so he didn't play. And I, I never heard Leo play. I, I joined the Army in 82, so I was in the Army about 29 years. But whenever I would come home on leave, I would hear people talk about how well he could play and sing. And after I retired in 2011, my son uh, was interested in learning to play guitar. They had the guitar, uh, I forget what it was, but it was a video game that came out, and everybody was buying these games and playing guitars like crazy. So he wanted to learn to play guitar, and I just wanted him to learn from the old guys before he learned from what's in the book. So Leo came to my mind, I went by Leo's house and, tried to get him to play something for a minute, but he never would. That went on for about two years. And finally, uh, I saw him sitting outside the Piggly Wiggly there in Bruce, and he said, hey, I never played anything for you. I said, no. I said, but my birthday is coming up in about two weeks. How much would you charge me to come and play? And he said, well, whatever you give me. And we never did agree on a price. And I just said, well, hey, how about uh, 100 bucks?" He said, well, that'll be fine. And he came over, and he was playing at my 50th birthday, and I secretly videotaped it. Hmm. And that Monday morning, I called a fat possum records in Oxford, and the gentleman answered the phone and said that they didn't do blues anymore, and I could uh, email them the footage I had, and whenever they had time, they would take a look at it. I told them, no, I wouldn't do that. Whenever they had time, just call me back. And within a minute or two of hanging up the phone, Bruce Watson called me back, and he said they, uh, that they had tried to find Leo about 10 or 15 years earlier. And he told me to come on by the, uh, the record shop, the record shop there, and, and, uh, and he would view the footage. And he looked at about a minute of the footage and asked me if I could get Leo to come into the office. And I told him it took me two years to get that far. I'd try and see what I could do. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, and at that time, Leo didn't know I had recorded him. And I told Leo, I said, hey, man, I secretly videotaped you and the record company. They're interested in talking to you. He told me, well, my van is broken. I don't have a way up there. I said, well, I'll, I'll come back down and take you up there. I actually live in Memphis. So we went up to the record shop up there and talked with Bruce, took Leo's guitar and amp, and Leo did two songs, three songs. He did Walk on the Floor and... Uh, a gospel song and another song, and Bruce asking Bruce Watson, who's the owner of uh, Big Legal Mess Records, which is a subsidiary 
of Fat Possum. Asked him had he ever recorded, and Leo told him no. He asked if he's interested. Leo said yeah. So two weeks later, we met in the studio. Uh, had about three sessions. Brought in uh, Martha Conley and her daughter's background, and that result of those sessions is uh, Sabogla Bosses, Leo's first uh, first album. And that was kind of his introduction to ever to kind of the national blues scene. Absolutely, absolutely. We had a, an interview from NPRI out of New York. Uh, I think it was Rachel Mathis may have been that lady's name, but don't quote me on that. And then that was in the uh, uh, summer of 2013, and that Sabo uh, Divorce was released on January 7, 2014. Wow! And then he was then it was off to the races. So um, it was all to the races. Did now did so once the the record was out, were you already at that point trying to find him g- shows and gigs, or were what did that come after the record came out? Uh, no, we did that before the record came out because okay. I actually so we started around April twentieth of two thousand thirteen. We got in the studio in June, June early July two thousand thirteen. But right after. I put that video out on YouTube, and I booked Leo's first show. His first gig was down at Ground Zero, which I want to say it was a Wednesday night in June, about the second or third week in June of 2013. That was my very first uh, booking of him. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I put together a promotion packet and had my son create him Leo a website, and we went from there, and I just got the Blues Festival guide and just start sending out inquiries to different festivals and and whenever I'd book a festival and I'd, you know, hit up venues and stuff in the local area if there wasn't uh, an exclusionary clause where they didn't want us performing within a certain radius of the event. Right. Had you done any of this, any booking or, or management before you, you started in with Leo? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I didn't know a little East screen from a big East screen when I started working with Leo. <laughs> what I had done is uh, while serving in the Army, I served as a recruiter uh, for 19 years. So I developed my you know, interpersonal skills and become a people person over the years of doing that. And that's definitely a big part of booking and management is friendliness and persistence and all those things you probably used as a recruiter. Exactly, exactly. Well, let's knowing when to hold them and knowing when to hold them. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, let's uh, let's take a quick break here. We're going to come back and and, and talk with uh, Vinci Varnado here on our last segment. But right now, we're going to play a quick segment from my interview with Leo back in 2010. Him talking about the old days of playing music, uh, uh, playing with his band around North Mississippi here on the Arts Hour. I went on a. I had a blues band one time. I went on a road playing the blues. I was called Leo Wet and the Rising Soul Band. Rattin Bruce. Where did you play? We played places like Baseball, Tupelo, and Carrat, just all around, down around Newport. Just all over. And we played, we have a drag every Saturday night somewhere around Oklahoma. And so we would go out and play blues music on a Saturday night back in those days. And what? whose music were you playing? We were playing our own. And we, Your original songs or? Well, we patronized out of people like B.B. King, Muddy Waters, and John Lee Hooker, and 
uh, Tyrone Davis, and just different guys. Yeah. Alan Wolf, Muddy Waters. So that's the kind of music we would play. We're back on the Arts Hour. I'm Larry Morrissey, and today we're doing a tribute to the late Leo Bud Welch. He was a member of the Mississippi Arts Commission's artist roster, but was also well-known on the blues circuit nationally and internationally, and for his two records on the Big Legal Mess Records out of Oxford, a subsidiary of Fat Possum. And joining us on the phone today was uh, Leo Bud Welch's manager, Vincey Varnado. We're talking to him from his home in Tennessee. Uh, Now, Vincey, when Leo, Leo played music all throughout his life, but he was really primarily, you know, just within 60, 70 miles of his home for the most part, for most of his years. So at age 81, a lot of people are, you know, ready to kind of kick back or, or not do as much. So I was wondering when you said, all right, now we're, you know, I'm going to get this gig and we're going to go to New York or we're going to go to California. What, how did he, was this something he jumped on immediately? Absolutely. Leo was a no-fear type of guy. Matter of fact, we boarded, he boarded an aircraft for the very first time on January 15, 2014, and we were from Memphis to Minneapolis. We went up to Minneapolis to release uh, his first record, and we booked uh, 11 shows in five days, and it was in sub-zero weather. Oh, my gosh. You not only took him out of state, you took him to the, like, basically to the Arctic Circle. <laughs> in, the, in the heart of the winter. Yeah. And, he, you know, we went all over the world to, 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 as far as Israel uh, and Tel Aviv. He performed in Tel Aviv. Well, my memory of him, you know, meeting him, you know, both at his home and in Bruce as well as at festivals and that, he was always very... He just seemed to love meeting people, and and he he loved he he seemed to really enjoy himself the whole time. Yeah, absolutely, Leo was good spirited. You know, he had a, a good spirit about himself. He he welcomed everybody when you came in contact with him. It was a glow, and the, you could tell he was a good spirited individual. Now. Um, Maybe you could talk about so so you got started that January. Talk a little bit since it was kind of a a brief career. Maybe you can talk about some of the highlights in terms of you you mentioned Israel. Where are some of the other places and some of the more memorable gigs that you guys had over the years? I think one that really stood out for me is the Lance uh, Music Festival in Lance, uh, Austria. Uh, that uh, festival is a result of Wolfgang Armour doing the uh, documentary about Leo, Late Blossom Blues, Late Blossom Blues, which is in the distribution process now. We finally got a distributor, and they're going to start the production of the DVD. But that festival in Austria, actually what we've done is we flew into uh, Munich, Germany, and rented a car and drove down into Italy, did some shows in the place where Romeo and Juliet were, I forget the name of the town, but we did, they did some performances there in Italy, and we drove back up, did some shows in Germany, and we drove up into Austria. That was, I think, was one of the highlights because of that festival uh, resulted in Leo's documentary being done by Wolfgang. And also the theme of that festival that year was there is, uh, there is still time. And Leo fit right into the thing by getting his career launched so late, uh, so late in his life. 
that was one of the highlights for me. Talk a little bit about that documentary, like what what it, it it's it's been produced. It's going to be out soon. Um, what does it cover, and 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 what? Just give us a description about it. Well, the documentary covers uh, Leo's way of life uh, from the time that he got started late in in his career and some of the accomplishments uh, that he achieved, and also. It covers Leo's outlook on life. And, of course, it covers his music as well. What are what are some of the things that kind of that he lived by, or, or what are kind of his, like, how, how does he, because I'm sure he seemed to face a lot of adversity, you know, had a really hard, did a lot of hard physical work throughout his life. Right. Leo was a very spiritual person, you know. He believed. Uh, that God looked out after after all of us, and he focused on the things that he could control. Uh, he didn't harp on things that was out of his control. That was, I think, his philosophy of life, is do what you can about what you can, and, and let the rest of it take care of itself. And, and of course, he, you know, he had a long career in gospel between kind of his youth in blues and his late later years in blues. He had a long, long career of both as a performer, a band leader and doing his his video DJ work, which is kind of how I first heard about him. Right. He was, uh, was he did the black gospel special there in blues and local TV. And Leo loved gospel music and he played it well, as we all know. But he actually told me that he preferred blues. That the, he really loved gospel, but he preferred the blues. And and he wasn't shy about. I, I think also notable about him, he he did not separate the music. I mean, because of course, one of his signature songs that he you know he did on the his first record, and I think he played almost every time I saw him was "I'm Going to Praise His Name," which was carried exactly. over from his old, his gospel days. Exactly. And he opened, so, you know, I'd say 98% of the time, he opened his shows with a gospel song, and he would try to close them uh, with a gospel song. Did that ever lead to, you know, people, uh, you know, sometimes people are affected by the music and want to talk to talk to the performer about, uh, you know, like some kind of witnessing or, or them feeling like he's carrying a message to them or anything? Yes, yes. People always talk to Leo about the impact that meeting him and watching him perform, how uh, he influenced or impacted their lives. I still get thank you notes from his fans around the world about how he introduced them in the gospel. I even had one young uh, kid say, she was talking to her mom about Leo's gospel music, and she was saying, well, I wish we had music like that at our church. I'd love to go. <laughs> so... So Leo, he he had an effect on people. Yeah, um, we're talking with Vincey Varnado by phone this afternoon. Uh, this is the Arts Hour. I'm Larry Morrissey, and today we're paying tribute to the late blues and gospel musician Leo Bud Welch from Bruce, Mississippi. Um, Vincey worked as his manager and took him went with him throughout the world, touring uh, Europe and throughout the United States, as well as working on his records. Now. 
the first record that he did, Sabogla Voices, which was named after his his gospel group and his his home communities of Sabogla. But the second record was more of a straight blues record, and I was hoping you could talk a little bit how that how that came to be. Absolutely. When when uh, Blues Watson signed him, the agreement was to do two records. They wanted to do a gospel record first, and we got the blues record done, and we were trying to come up with a title for it. And uh, Leo's preacher at his uh, Suburban Missionary Baptist Church, uh, I guess he had got wind of Leo was doing some blues. But Leo also was a, the musician for the church, and he told Leo that uh, to quote the preacher, he said, "I don't prefer no blues." And uh, Leo shared that information with me, and I shared it with Bruce, and we decided that, hey, we would title his album after the quote from the Good Reverend. I don't prefer no blues. I don't prefer no blues. Huh. And and how did he, so when he went in to record, was it just like uh, him by himself, or did they bring the full band in? How did, how did that process work? We brought, the, we brought the full band in. We brought the full band in, you know, because we was, in different rooms, but with headphones, but uh, uh, that's the way we did it. I think there was maybe one record where they added an organ after we we wasn't there, but uh, about 90% of it was done band on site. And you had some of the, kind of the, the cream of the crop there working on the record. Jimbo Mathis, who people know Absolutely. from his time at Squirrel Nut Zippers. I think Matt Patton, the bass player who plays with Drive-By Truckers, who also is now mm-hmm. one of the co-owners of that studio in Water Valley, all all were right, regulars Bonson. on it. Yeah, we had Trey Bonson on drums. Yeah. And what about, like, kind of being out in the road, you're on a lot, a lot of festivals. I'm just curious about some of the people, some of the memorable people, either performers or other people you met at some of these bigger festivals that you all played at. We met some of everybody out on the road. One fellow that had a huge impact came down and performed at Leo's, uh, did a song at Leo's funeral, Mike Farris, from out from around Nashville. Uh, but he met a lot of different people, from Joe Lewis, Walker. Uh, I mean, the list goes on and on. Sometimes I'm getting a, a brain cramp here, but uh, Molly Jean, the one-woman band, uh, What's the lady name that used to do a lot of work with John Lee Hooker? Uh, I can't think of her name. Bonnie Ray. Oh, right. Bonnie Ray had mm-hmm. a test And the, uh, she had asked the uh, the festival coordinator if there was anybody she needed to meet or that he wanted her to meet. And she he told her, absolutely, you need to meet Leo Bud West. So she was backstage doing Leo's performance at Telluride Blues Festival out in Colorado. That's great. And, and Leo... A year or two. Yeah, and, and Leo worked up until nearly... I mean, he, he was not in great... not great health the last year or so, but he was working pretty late up into before his passing. Yeah, Leo, his last performance was a Friday, the last Friday in September, and he was hospitalized on August 4th. Okay. Uh, and he never actually recovered from that. So, I mean, he started to, you know, take a turn for the better, but he had a pacemaker implantation on August 7th, and he never, never recovered from that surgery. Yeah. 
Well, eighty-five, and that that becomes really hard to 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 make that happen. Yeah, eighty eighty-five and smoking from the time you were twelve years old. Oh yeah, yeah. And but now there are the two there are the two studio albums that came out on Big Legal Mess. But I also wanted to make sure and mention there's that the live record that was recorded. Was it in New York? Yeah, live at the Iridium. Okay. Uh, absolutely. There, now that's a combination of a DVD and a, a, a CD, and there's also it's also, it's also on Spotify as well. And that gives you a sense of kind of the, you know, that's straight Leo Welch with the drummer. That's that's what you saw when he performed live. Exactly. That is him. Mm-hmm. That's all Leo. And some of it uh, is just him by himself. There is a, uh, there's a, uh, a recorded version of just him and an acoustic guitar. That's all done through Cleopatra Records. Okay. Well, it was it was a very intense time for you, but in some ways a very very brief little thing. What are some of the lessons or things that you learned from Leo from your time working with him? One of the things I learned from Leo about the music is that you know people do music the way they do it, and if you're going to assist them, you got to learn to do it their way. There's just there's no reschooling, no teacher, you know. That was my greatest takeaway from it. It helped them do what they do. And there's no point in trying to change it, will, or make the blue jeans bluer. There's no point in it. Just right. help them do it the way they do it. He's as authentic as they come, so let him do it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Vincey, thank you so much for joining us today on the Arts Hour. Uh, make sure. You, you, so, uh, I guess the upcoming thing would be Late Bossom Blues. The the documentary will be the thing for fans to be looking out for. Exactly, and I really appreciate you having me on with you today. Well, I I, I thought it was fitting to we we couldn't get to it right when he passed in December, but I wanted to make sure and make note of his passing and and let people uh, hear his music uh, once more here on on MPB. Absolutely. Thank you for all that you do. Thanks so much, Vincey. Uh, for those of you who have uh, tuned in and listening uh, and you'd like to listen to the whole show, you t- tuned in late, you can go to the MPB website at mpbonline.org, and they post all our past shows there as uh, streaming files. You can also go to iTunes or one of your favorite iPod podcast catcher programs and download this show for free as well. Until next time, we'll be seeing you around.